What is going on, Uncancelled? How are you guys doing? Thank you for tuning in. Uh, man, a lot has happened at Impact Youth over the last, uh, I don't know, last two weeks, last week. God is doing a thing. He's doing a lot of great stuff. Uh, we just got back from summer camp last week, and um, I'm bl- I've been blessed to see what's been going on with that. Uh, but I have a great podcast for you today. Uh, we're going to be talking about, I felt the Lord specifically speak to me in prayer to uh, do a podcast on living above sin and then also also answering this question. Even though we can live above sin, what to do if you do sin? If we do sin, what do we do? So we're going to talk about that today. But first, awesome. it's time to, to rate that. that. Apple. apple. Here we go. What Let's do we got do today, Reg? Today is a pizzazz apple. Yeah, it is. And it's from ShopRite in Brookfield. You said you've had it before? I think I had it at Stu Leonard's one time. Okay. I'll keep my comments to myself on what I thought about it. I think I've had it as well, but I really don't remember it. I think you had it at my house. Did I? Yeah. Oh. Not my house, my apartment. I'll be moving into my house soon. Praise. But right. I like I like the size. It's a big apple. Yeah, it's a big apple. All right. But big for nothing, maybe. Uh oh. Oh. Hmm. Hmm. You can go first, man. It's a little soft. The skin's a little chewy. And it's tart. Like literally exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> oh, shoot. The only thing I was going to say that was a little better. Oh, my gosh. No, the skin is terrible. Yeah. Like, I got a good initial bite. Like, when it... This is one of those apples, if you like tart, you yeah. you would look at it in a higher in a higher way. You'd be like, oh, okay. But texture-wise, this is not texture the way that apple great. should be. No. There's not much pizzazz here. <laughs> um, all right, Ben. Uh, so I, I feel like it's a little unfair to, to give it a rating based on its tartness because that's preference. I would just say straight up like bad. Like, Well, yeah, but that's the whole point is that <laughs> it's your preference, right? It is my preference, but I don't think that anyone prefers to chew like on wax for like 30 minutes. Yeah, I mean, if you do. <laughs> That's <why>? weird. <laughs> You're just odd, man. But ben, ben, what are you giving this thing? I think I've decided on a 4.5. Yeah, honestly, I'm going to say the same exact thing. I, I think it's it's under average for sure. Yeah. Um, really and truly, the average grade of an apple on this segment is like a 6.5, I'd probably say. Probably somewhere around there. Um, Granny Smith and Red Delicious brought that way down. But yeah. And we should do a Rome apple soon. I'm trying to find it. Yeah, they're hard to find for good reason. Um, (laughs) But this pizzazz, um, if you like tart, peel the skin off and put it in an apple pie. And maybe actually that might work well because you have a tart apple with some sweet and it it might work maybe or something like that. Yeah, I think if you're a tart apple person, this would probably get like a seven-ish, seven and a half. The skin's just really bad. Like I I wouldn't want to eat a whole thing. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Thanks for reading that apple. We'll just leave this right here for everyone to look at. Oh, cool. Actually, no, we won't. It's okay. not worth looking at. There we go. 
Well, I hope you guys enjoyed Rate That Apple. Um, man, I kind of bit my uh, my lip as we were as we were doing that. I did a little bite. Honestly, it hurts a lot less though than than the pink lady did on my gums. But if you don't know what I'm talking about, you should you should go back and watch some podcasts. You'll know what I'm talking about. But anyway, living above sin, what to do if you sin. Notice how I said if. We'll get to that in a second. Many of you came back from summer camp last week, and you're on fire for God. You want to live for God. Maybe you came to Impact last night, and you want to keep living for God because you had a great encounter with the Lord. Uh, You don't want to just keep on sinning over and over again. I remember as a teenage boy, uh, and even as a freshman in Bible college, my life looked like this. Living for God, living for God, sin, repent, live for God, repent for my sin, live for God, repent for my sin. It just was a big circle of me trying to live for God, but just continually failing to live for God. What do you do to live a life where you're actually like living above sin? Well, what do you do if you sin? These are things, uh, questions that students have asked me. Maybe you sinned and, and you don't know what to do now. You went to camp, you were on fire, and you just sinned. And you're like, man, I, I just sinned and, you know, I, I, I don't even know, like, if I could stay on fire for God now that I just did something wrong. Perhaps you want to keep the fire going in your life and you're just not sure how. I think that next week we're going to cover keeping the fire going. But this week I want to focus on And I want to start with living above sin. Let me ask you this question. Did you know it's possible to live above sin? It is possible to live above sin. Christians don't just have to keep sinning and messing up. It's like some Christians think that sinning is a requirement of life. Sinning is a requirement of life. The reality is, yes, we've all sinned. Yes, we've all fallen short of God's standard. Yes, you have sinned in your life, 100%. Every person watches. Anyone that thinks that they haven't sinned is thinks that they're Jesus because Jesus never sinned. But once you give your life to Christ, you no longer have to sin anymore. Once the reality of Christ be, uh, comes into you, you actually don't have to just keep on sinning. People, people actually think like, oh, I just have to sin. Like it's just part of life. You know, you're going to sin. You're going to mess up. And the reality is, is that the odds of us making a mistake and doing something like, yes, mistakes happen, uh, and yes, sin does happen, but it's not like you have to. It's not a requirement. In fact, we're not bound to keep on sinning. We're not, uh, sinning is against our nature. Sinning is actually against our nature when we're in Christ now. I'll show you what I'm talking about. If you have your Bible, and I encourage you to pull a Bible out and follow along with me, it's important to search the Word of God to actually, like, see what it's saying. I could be teaching you something that's incorrect. I can make up a scripture and just be like, oh, you know, yeah, it just says that in the Bible. The only way that you're going to know that it actually says that is by reading the Word of God. Sorry, my pages are sticking together right now. There it is. 1 Peter 2, 1 Peter 2, 24. Look what it says. It says... He himself, being Christ, bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. 
What does that mean? Well, it means that you're going to die to sin and that you're going to live in righteousness. Like, literally, when Christ died for us and we've accepted him, we died to sin and now we live in righteousness. What does righteousness mean? It's been described as in right standing with God. In right standing with God. Every Christian is in right standing with God when they give their life to Jesus Christ. You're completely right before God. Guess what? In Christ, you are 100% righteous. 100% righteous. You're not like 90% righteous. Oh, you know, I'm 50-50. It just depends on the day. Every day that you believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior, every day since you've repented of your sin and put your your faith in Jesus Christ, you are 100% righteous. You're 100% in right standing with God. 100% in right standing with God. So, We can live above sin because guess what? We're in 100% right standing with God. You are righteous when you give your life to Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm going to just pull it up on my Bible. I prefer that. Sometimes it's just better to pull it up on your Bible than it is to even look it up on the internet. 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians. Chapter 5, verse 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. What does this mean? This means that you're a new creation in Christ. Who you were before is not who you are anymore. So, you were a sinner before you gave your life to Jesus Christ. But now, the Bible actually says that you're a saint. Did you know that? The Bible calls you a saint. It actually says uh, the Apostle Paul, anytime that he addresses a church he's writing to in the New Testament, in the Word of God, he says to the saints at this church, to the saints at that church, to the saints, to the saints, he's talking about the people in the church. He's talking about the people who have given their life to Jesus Christ. Paul never refers to Christians as sinners He rather says that they are saints. Before we give our life to Christ, we were sinners before we gave our life to Christ, but now we're saints. Now we're righteous before God. So since that's who we are in Christ, when we understand our identity, that we're 100% righteous, that we're no longer sinners, that we're actually saints, when we understand that, we realize that we can actually live a life that's above sin. We don't have to sin. You can literally not sin for as long as you choose to not sin. Very simple. People think, oh, I just have to sin. You know, it's just my sin nature. No, the Bible says that uh, that uh, all things are new. It literally says here in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. You don't just have to sin anymore. You're not bound to sin anymore. That's not the way that this works. Let me show you exactly what I'm talking about. Listen to this real quick before I read Romans chapter 6, and you can turn there. We're dead to sin and alive in Christ. When we sin, it's actually contrary to who we are in Christ. It's contrary to who you are in Christ. You're not a sinner anymore, like I said. So when you sin, it's contrary to who you are. It's not who you are anymore to sin. That's why when you sin or when you think about sinning, it's such a struggle. Why? Because it's not the person you are anymore. It's like, oh, you know, oh man, you know, I'm feeling tempted to sin right now and then we fall into temptation. But when you already understand in your mind, wait, I already am righteous. I'm in right standing with God. 
you can actually say to yourself, wait, I can live above sin. I don't just have to sin anymore. There's times where I'm tempted to sin. And I remind myself, hold on, I don't have to sin. I don't have to tell that lie. I don't have to get really angry right now. I don't have to do those things that I used to want to do anymore. I can choose not to. Why? Because I'm already righteous. Like, I'm in right standing with God. My old, my, the old me has died. When you get a revelation of the fact that you don't have to sin, that you literally don't have to, it is your choice to sin. Nobody is making you sin. Sin's power is broken on you. When you understand those things, you get a revelation of the fact that you don't have to sin. Romans 6. I'm going to read a little bit of this, so follow along with me if you have your Bible. Romans chapter 6. I'm reading from the English Standard uh, Version, which is ESV. Follow along with me. This is very important. I used to read this chapter every single night before I went to bed at Bible college. Every single night, especially when I was a freshman and I was struggling with sin. I, I, I read this every single night and every single morning to remind myself of what the Bible says. Romans 6, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. What does that mean? Should I just keep on sinning so that we could see how great God's grace is? You know, well, I can just keep on sinning and I can just ask God for grace later. You know, like, should we do that? Paul says, by no means. How can we, who died to sin, still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. What does this mean? When you give your life to Jesus Christ, when you give your life to Jesus Christ and we're baptized in water and things of that nature, we literally die with Christ and we're raised to new life with Christ. That's what happened. When you, when you uh, choose to follow Jesus, you're identifying in his crucifixion. You're identifying in his burial. And you're, uh, most importantly, identifying in his raising to new life. So we are raised to new life in Christ. What does this mean? This means that if we're raised to new life in Christ, then we're dead to the power of sin. That we no longer have to do the things that sin says to do. It says that we've died to sin, so how can we still live in it? Verse 5 continues to say, For if we've been united with him in death like, like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might, uh, might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. I want to read that in the NLT translation real quick, that, that verse. It's a powerful verse. It, it touched me. Romans 6, 6. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. We're no longer slaves to sin. You don't have to just do what sin tells you to do anymore. I, you know that countless times I've heard people say that they're just a sinner saved by grace. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I just, you know, I sin all the time. I, I am a mess. I am a mess. That's who, that, that is what I am. And I've heard like, like people like that are like influential to other Christians. Like get on there and they're like, how you doing? How you doing, fellow sinner? It's good to see you today. You know, I, yesterday I sinned like 70 times. And, you know, I, it just shows how great God's grace is because I am a messed up person. Like, did you not read the Bible? Romans chapter 6, it says that we are dead to sin 
and we're alive in Christ. It says, shall we, shall we keep on sinning so grace may abound? Of course not. In other words, no, it doesn't work like that. We're not sinners anymore. We're saints. We're righteous before God. You don't have to be sinning all the time, messing up all the time. People that sin all the time and mess up all the time, I'm convinced that they don't understand the victory over sin that they have in Christ. They don't understand the dominion that they have in Christ. They don't understand that they already are victorious over sin in Christ. You can live above sin. Don't let anyone lie to you that, oh, you know, sometimes, you know, you're just going to sin a lot and it's just going to be a big problem for you. Do I acknowledge that sometimes we do mess up in life? Absolutely, we do. We sometimes mess up and stuff, but you don't have to. It's not like a required, a required thing that it's understood that, you know, yeah, you know, you just, you just, we just sin. That's just kind of who we are as people and stuff. That's not who you are anymore in Christ. If you put on Christ, you are a new creation. The power of sin has died, has died. I love verse 6. I want to read it again. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We're no longer slaves to sin. Amen. In fact, the Bible says that we're slaves to righteous living. Slaves to righteous living. This is kind of getting into my next topic. But you ever just like do something wrong and you just like are like, oh, I just want to live right. I just want to do what honors God. And you know, I just don't want to live like this anymore. I just want to live to honor God. That's being a slave to righteousness. You do something wrong and you're like, man, I'm going to go back to righteous living because I don't want to do this anymore. Something's just pulling you to just come back to living righteously before God. That's a sign that you want to live righteously before God. But I have good news for you today. You don't have to sin. You don't have to do all these things wrong. You don't have to watch pornography every single night before bed. You don't have to just tell God that you're sorry for watching porn and think that you're just going to do it again later. You don't, have to, you don't have to get angry and punch somebody and just know the next time you get angry that you're going to do the same thing. You don't have to lie all the time. You don't have to do those types of things. You don't have to have uh, suicidal thoughts every single day. You, you don't have to have anything that the enemy throws your way. You don't have to have those things. You don't have to have a low self-esteem. Don't listen to the lies of the world that you just have to struggle the rest of your life. You can live above sin. Live above sin. Amen. Live above sin. I'm ministering to myself right now. Amen. It's just reminding me that I can live above sin. I'm not, I'm not telling you right now that I'm like in sin right now and it's like ministering to me. If I was like in egregious sin right now, then I shouldn't be ministering the gospel. I should be focusing on my relationship with the Lord. But um, praise God, the, the Lord sanctified me. He did a work in me. I'll tell you, there was a time in my life where I could not be a minister of the gospel because I was, I was struggling with sin far too much. Like literally, like that was my, like my life was just that cycle I was talking about. And that's, that's not the cycle of a, of a minister of the gospel. But let me ask you this question. So while I understand we may do things wrong sometimes and it's a possibility that we may sin and stuff like that after we give our life to Christ and that most Christians do sin after, uh, they don't have to, but most Christians do sin after they give their life to Christ, they mess up along the way. I understand it's very hard to, it, it's, it can be hard to, you know, stand up to the temptations of the world. That's a very real thing, right? So now let's switch to this question. If I sin, what do I do? If I sin, what do I do? Right? I believe you can live above sin, but I've sinned before after, you know, I, I've sinned before. I've gotten angry before, uh, you know, 
after, you know, even even after, like, you know, I graduated Bible college. I've done things that that are wrong before after that. I believe we can live above sin, but, you know, I've, I've fallen into the temptation of getting angry, things of that nature, right? And God's, you know, God's done a work in me, and I just want to become more and more like Christ every single day, which should be your goal as well. So we can live above sin, but what do we do if we sin? Okay, that's a good question. I had a student text me and ask me, like, Oh man, I'm just so on fire for the Lord, but I just, I, I just, you know, I, I sinned, I sinned today. Like I was doing so well, but then I did something wrong. And this is what you, this is what happens when you sin. This is what we should do. First John, one nine. It says, I don't like this translation. Sorry. There we go. You guys all know the scripture. All, all know the scripture, I imagine. It says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Okay, so what do you do when you sin? Confess. Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, forgive me. What, so, so what does this look like? Lord, forgive me of my sin. If I confess my sin, he's faithful and just. Check that out. All you have to do is confess. Confess your sin. Tell him, Lord, I'm sorry. I repent. And I'm going to get into that word repent in a second. The next scripture I want to read to you is 2 Corinthians 7.10. 2 Corinthians 7.10. It says, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. Godly sorrow brings people to repentance. Have you ever done something wrong and you just feel so sorrowful? Oh, I didn't, I, I didn't want to do that, Lord. Oh, I can't believe that I did that. You're just having that sorrow. I don't want to do this anymore. Godly sorrow, understanding, not condemnation, where you've already told the Lord that you're sorry and that you repent of it and you still feel bad about it. That's condemnation. But actually, like, man, I wish that I didn't do that. Man, I shouldn't have done that. Godly sorrow, it leads people to repentance. The next, the last scripture I'm going to read to you, it's powerful. Micah 7, 19. I love this. You will have, oh, you will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. Hurl, what a funny word to use in that passage, hurl. It's like that type of hurl, like, like chuck it instead of like throw up. But hurl. He throws those sins that we do, the things that we do, he chucks them into the sea when we ask for uh, forgiveness. When we repent and we do something wrong and God forgives us, he throws them into the sea. So, uh, some say, uh, some translations say the sea of forgetfulness. He just, boom, I'm throwing it into the sea, it's gone. So what is, what is repentance? Repentance is asking God to forgive you and help you to live righteously. If you genuinely mean from your heart, Lord, I don't uh, forgive me. I don't want to do this sin anymore. I don't want to participate in this. I want to live righteously. If you genuinely look to change your actions, first it's asking for forgiveness. Second, it's a genuine meaning that you want to turn from that sin that you were doing. That is repentance biblically. That is repentance. How do I know if I'm being genuine? 
How do I know if I'm being genuine? Let, let, let's answer that question. Because somebody said to me, I don't even know if I'm being genuine. First off, if you ask that question, am I being genuine? You're being genuine, okay? People that are not genuine are not going to actually ask that question because they know what they're doing. People are not going to be like, oh my goodness. People are not going to care enough to be like, oh my goodness, am I really being genuine before the Lord right now? Like, that's a pretty good sign right there. It's possible that you're not being genuine if you ask that question. But I would say odds are, if you're asking that question, it's genuine. Second, if you feel really bad and you don't want to disappoint the Lord, you're like, man, I I wish I didn't do that. I don't want to disappoint the Lord. I don't want the Lord to be angry with me. That's genuine right there. So if you have that genuine heart and you're like, Lord, I made a mistake. I'm sorry. And you do that and you turn from sin and you're like, I want to run the opposite direction of this. Then guess what? God chucks it into the sea so you can move on. If God can throw it into the sea of forgetfulness, then you can move on with your life. People spend hours beating themselves up. I remember in Bible college, I used to do something wrong. I go, oh, I just feel so bad about myself. You know, I'm a freshman in Bible college. I haven't gotten a revelation of, of living above sin. The, the fact that God forgives sin. Oh, I'm such a bad person. Oh, I can't even talk to God right now. I'm not worthy to talk to God right now. I need to, you know, I need to, you know, be good for four hours and then I can talk to God later. Like, seriously, these are real thoughts that I would have that then I can talk to God. In four hours, I could talk to God. That is the biggest lie of the enemy. The enemy wants you to be, so the enemy wants you to not go back to God. He's using that condemnation for your sin to keep you from going back to God and doing the thing you need to do, which is confessing your sin and having him be faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, you could just be like, Lord, forgive me. That was wrong, God, and I don't want to do that anymore. If you say that to the Lord, the Bible promises, if you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sin. Move on. It's done. And then, you know, five minutes later, oh, Lord, I know I asked for forgiveness, but I, I, you know, I really hope that you really do forgive me. He's like, what are you talking about? He's like, the Bible says he cast into the sea of forgetfulness. He's like, what are you talking about? He's like, sin? He's like, wait, what? He's like, what, what, what are you talking about? Did you do something? Did you do something? Like, I, I don't even know what you're talking about at this point. And obviously I'm being a little facetious right now, but still you, you, get, what I, what, you get what I mean. He cast it into the sea of forgetfulness. He's not, like, he's not like sitting up there like, yes, tell me sorry seven times. He's not that like weird girlfriend or boyfriend that you have that just like is always making you say sorry 70 times and is like, yeah, I forgive you. No problem. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Whatever. Yeah. You know, I'm fine. Oh man, that's dangerous. I'm fine. God's not like God's not like an emo girlfriend, like up in heaven where he's like, or like just like a needy girlfriend or boyfriend. I'm fine. By the way, girls, if you're dating a guy that is like I'm fine and like being all like girly about stuff like that and like you know and, and being all like I'm fine, you know. Yeah, whatever. Drop him. Yeah, you just, you just, just move on. Either tell him about it, confront him about it, see if he changes, or just drop him. That's not worth your time, uh, and and that's just that's just not it for you. But that's not what God is. God is not and, and going to tell you he's fine. Oh, I'm fine, and then he's going to be like, but I really hope they come back ten minutes later and ask me again for forgiveness. No, he literally is like, oh, did, you meant that from your heart. 
you know, I see your heart. I see the fact that you want to confess your sin to me. You want to repent and move on. Hallelujah. He's, you know, he, he loves that. And then there you go. You're forgiven. It's cast into the sea of forgetfulness. Move on with your life. You are righteous with God. You're in right standing with him 100%. And then go, just like Jesus said to the woman caught in the act of adultery. Go and sin no more. You can find that story in John chapter 8. He says in verse 12, I believe, or 11, he says, go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. You can actually, uh, he, he actually said, he's like, go and sin no more. That's what, that's what we could do. Go and sin no more. It is possible to live above sin. It is possible to not sin. Now, is it, can it, is it difficult? Yes, it, it can be difficult to live above sin, especially at first. But once you start going in it, and once you just start seeking God and making it a habit in your life to live for him, it becomes easier and easier. Because then you're just so connected to the Lord. Uh, but, you know, you can live above sin. How do you live above sin? The only way is to live for God. The only way is to, you know, read your Bible, to be praying, to actually be connected to the Lord. And next week I'm going to talk about keeping the fire going. I would have done it in today's segment as well, but I try to keep the podcast uh, to 30, 40 minutes. And, um, uh, but we're going to, next week we're going to talk about what, what does it look like to just live for God? What, what does it look like to keep the fire going? Uh, like you want to fan the flame, just like uh, Paul said to Timothy, fan into flame the spiritual gifts that, that you've been given. H- how do I keep the fire going in my life? And we're going to talk about that next week. We're going to talk about some very practical things we could do. Yes, we're going to talk about praying and reading your Bible, but we're going to talk about putting safeguards in your life. We're going to talk about practicalities to living for God, hanging out with the right people, a bunch of different things. So make sure to tune in next week. Remember, again, I just really want to say this again. You can live above sin. You do not just have to keep on sinning. I've seen it in my own life. I, I, like, I've gone, uh, I've gone a while without, without sinning. Why? I don't even think about not sinning. I just think about serving God. I'm not sitting there like, oh, I hope I don't sin today. I don't say that to myself every morning when I wake up. There was a time I used to. My goal was to not sin. But I literally, like, just go, like, yeah, I'm just going to live for God today. That's what you could say, too. I'm just going to live for God. Don't focus on not sinning. Go on the offensive. And Pastor Brandon used to say this all the time, the former youth pastor. Go on the offensive, not the defensive. The defense is, defensive is, I hope I don't sin. The offensive is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live for God. I'm li- going to actively pursue Jesus. That is going on the offensive. If it helps you, just like I did, read Romans 6 every single night before you go to bed. I believe it's verses 1 through 15 is what I used to read. I might have read the entire chapter. I would have to go back and look at it. But... Verses 1 through 15, it will bless you. It will help you every single night that you, uh, before you go to bed or when you wake up in the morning. Understand that you have victory over sin. You can live above sin. You can live above sin. Amen. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. And if you come to Impact Youth, I hope to see you this weekend. Um, today's my dad's birthday, August 18th at the time of the recording. So I'm going to go spend some time with him. Uh, and next Wednesday, I hope to see you at Impact. I got an important word for you about taking responsibility for this youth group. Amen. God bless you guys. I will see you next week.